Hello and welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast with me, your host, Damian Mason, where we get together every week and discuss interesting issues impacting the industry we all know and love, the one that feeds us. It's the industry of food, fuel, fiber, and farming. It's the Business of Agriculture. I've got a great show today. I'm recording this from Colorado with two special guests, Justin Luton of Luton Farms and Joe Resnick of Agroplasma, Inc. Let me tell you about these two guys. I was the speaker just today for the Colorado Ag Leadership Program for the Governor's Forum on Colorado Agriculture. Neat event, very well attended, pushing 400 people here. And what's great, I think, is that this is what we need for the young people in this industry. We brought in uh, you know, all kinds of sponsors. Well, we didn't. They brought in me to speak to them. They brought in sponsors and, and industry folks, but they... The involved, or in fact, part of the production is done by this Colorado Ag Leadership Program. So I'm going to sit down with these guys, and we're going to talk about what the Colorado Ag Leadership Program is, what it does, what they got out of it. But more importantly, we're going to talk about their roles in the business of agriculture and why you're going to like it. Two pretty different angles on the same state uh, producing stuff for ag. Luton Farms, you know, is out here your traditional large-scale dry land farming operation. And then Agroplasma Inc., Joe was actually with Nutrien but joined Agroplasma Inc. He works on the organic inputs side and has a, quite a bit of knowledge of the hemp industry. So in this episode, we're talking to two young guys in the business of agriculture in Colorado, everything from sorghum to hemp. Welcome to the show, Joe Rasnick. Yeah, thanks for having us, Damien. Um, uh, like Damien uh, said, I, I work with the organic uh, nutrient inputs. Um, I work on any, roughly around 500,000 organic acres um, around 10 states. Uh, I'm based out of Colorado, um, and so hence I have had the chance to work with uh, industrial hemp and hemp produced for CBD for about four or five years now. What is Agroplasma Inc.? Tell me in, 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 a, in the brief uh, elevator speech, what is Agroplasma Inc.? Agroplasma Inc. is a different derived from than you're used to for your normal inputs. You have an MPK micronutrient line that is all organic and a plant derived base. Okay, all organic inputs on the uh, fertilization, but then also on the herbicide and, and that kind of thing. We are we are strictly nutrition. Okay, strictly yes. nutrition. All right, mm-hmm. so that's Joe Rasnick. We're going to be getting back to him. He's going to hand the microphone over to Justin Luton. Justin with Luton Farms. Justin and I met last night when I got here to do my setup because he's a Purdue guy like me. He made it all the way from Colorado to Purdue. It's, it's actually probably right on US 24. It would only take you like 17 hours to make that drive, so I don't know. Maybe you never came home. Anyway, Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, Damien. Yeah, go Boilermakers. It was only an 11 and a half hour drive, really, but a little tough that way. Um, so a little bit about us. We're a large family farm. This is our 100th year. Uh, we're about 32,000 acres right now, and just because we're large, we are very diverse. Uh, we do dryland wheat. We grow for Colorado State University. Uh, we grow confection sunflowers that are sold for the export market to mostly go to Spain. Uh, we also handle corn, millet, and milo. And the millet, actually, a lot of it ends up going to Malaysia as a food grade. Uh, on top of that, I mentioned we grow for CSU, so we have our seed business. Uh, we also have a sprayer business, a machinery line. And uh, this last fall, I took on a seed dealership of my own. 
Well, you've got all sorts of things to tell me about and us about, as does Joe, because obviously this is only the second time in the history of the business of agriculture. Some of you going way back to one of some of my earlier episodes, a smart young man named Andy Ambriel, who is actually from Indiana, as am I, who's an organic farmer. And I'm not talking about, you know, three acres of, uh, of, uh, of you know, cilantro. I mean, he's a legitimate, full-blown organic farmer. So this is really the second time that we've gone down the road of discussing organics, and we're going to do that with Joe. And obviously, we're going to talk about some of this large-scale dry land farming. And some of you that are my listeners and friends from places like Indiana, where we get 40 inches of annual precipitation, say, what the heck's all this dry land? What are you talking about? So we're going to cover that. But before we get into dry land and cropping and hemp and organics, Colorado Ag Leadership Program. You guys do a thing where they bring in generally younger people like you that are ag professionals, and you enroll in this thing. Tell me what happens. So the Colorado Ag Leadership Program is created so that we can get young leaders and anybody really that wants to be involved to go around the state and we find all of the different issues. We, we talk with different people and find the issues that they have around the state and we bring it back and we try to find solutions. We try to bring people together. We try and create a network uh, where people can come together figure out what they what issues we have and what we can do going forward uh, we're fair we're apolitical but we we deal with a lot of politics and because that's a lot of the issues that the state and producers deal with um, we also take a national trip where we go to washington dc this uh previous year when we went we met with epa trucking association this was before e-logs was passed uh, we tried to meet with our local representatives. It's nice to say apolitical, but let's be honest. When you're in an industry, in any industry, but particularly in this industry, you've got, depending on which administration is going which direction, and then various initiatives from, uh, obviously, the cow fart lady, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, to waters of the United States, uh, there's, it's hard to say we're apolitical. You don't have a side necessarily, but you certainly have issues. Correct. As an organization, uh, we have to be able to work with either side because of putting on the governor's ag forum. We can't show our biases that way. Um, but obviously, we each have our own personal issues that we deal with and along those lines. Joe, your, your thoughts, you joined, you're a part, you're a student, and you guys, uh, what's the deal here? It's two years. Tell me how it works. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a two-year program, uh, two-year stint. Uh, I'm just joining. Um, basically, today is my first day, and this is going to be his last day. Um, so basically, getting into it, uh, I want to bridge the gap um, between consumers and growers and even some of our chemical companies and the growers we there's a lot of disconnect and part of for me the reason why i'm doing this is to make sure people know what the heck they're doing and why they're doing it and all that did your employer encourage you to do this discourage you from doing it how did that work my employer uh currently um he is letting me go full reign he's letting me take things uh the way i want to um lead our next our next generation of farming and well that's good because you are young and you guys are both uh, you're doing the right thing so when you join the colorado ag leadership program do you just say i want to join or somebody have to sponsor you and, and invite you in how's that work so i came to the ag forum last year and i ran into um an old co-worker that was in it he told me about it and it's uh, actually a very vigorous <laughs> um you have to go through uh, a couple application processes, essays, and then um, two in-person interviews. Got it. So it was it was a, a vetting, if you will, and then you were accepted. How many people are in your your graduating class, Justin? 
Uh, there are 18 in our graduating class. So 18 people for two years came, what, on a quarterly meetings? Uh, yeah, basically. Uh, well, about every other month is what we would do, and we would meet around the state for three days. Okay, and discuss issues and then uh, go to trips, go and look at industry. What else? Yep. Uh, lots of farm meetings. Uh, went to the state capitol when we were here, uh, sat in on a couple readings and such. Uh, also we had our national, like I said, our national trip. And then we also took an international trip to see, uh, part of what the deal was there. We went to Columbia this last year because of, in terms of Colorado, it's been a growing state for our exports and imports from them. So, and then Joe is your first day. You went through all your vetting. You were, uh, your application was accepted. How many people are going to be in your class? I believe we have 18 as well. Okay. So that's the right number. And then what are you hoping to get out of this? Obviously networking, uh, lots of knowledge, going to be seeing a lot of different stuff around the state. Then what else? Uh, I want to get, yeah, obviously the networking and um, the contacts. I love to meet different people in different operations and love to see how everything works. Um, the biggest thing I probably want to get out of it is learn a little more on the sides where I'm not as, as um, knowledgeable. And uh, that's going to help me a ton as we get into some of the politics and that because I am not savvy with that currently. <laughs> These guys, by the way, dear listener, uh, Joe's 26, Justin's 25. So that's what's really neat to me is this is the future of our industry, and these guys are not taking it sitting down. They're not, uh, they're, they're not bashful about saying, yep, we're going to be part of this. Justin, I just asked Joe what he expects to get out of it. Justin, what, give me one or two things that you'd say were really big takeaways for your two-year investment and a little bit of money, right? What, a few, few thousand bucks, I guess, but then it also pays for travel. So it's not like it's a tremendously expensive. No, it was 3500 bucks and travel was included and such that way. Um, two things, is it's really tough to narrow down on that, uh, to be honest about it. Um, I think one of the biggest things is we forget as agriculturists that there's more to even our own states than what our own operations are. Yes, we're a large dry land, but we go to over into the Intermountain region. We looked at potato grows. We went over to the West Slope and saw uh, palisade peaches it's just a very very diverse state and we were able to look at all of that and it really brings perspective into what we do um, the other thing on top of that is even though we're massively diverse in our state we're all facing a lot of the same issues and foremost on that is water in this state you know it colorado is the only state other than hawaii obviously that doesn't have water flow into it everything flows out of it whoa wait a minute i'm i've been traveling crisscrossing this united states of america for for 25 years as a speaker entertainer former comedian guy and i have never heard that no water flows into colorado it all flows away that is correct did you know that joe Okay, wait, put the microphone in front of him. So he's even, a, he's even like was born in the panhandle of Nebraska, and he didn't know that. You know what? Sounds like maybe you were getting some of that water. We were. You know what? And, I, <laughs> and I've got a house down in Arizona. We're getting some of your water. Ninner, ninner. Okay. Uh, all right, so water's a big issue. What else did, when you think of issues, Joe, you think of issues that you're going to see just in your brief involvement here with CALP. What's going what's to be an issue in Colorado agriculture? Uh, the issue right now in Colorado agriculture is seeing where our consumers are pushing the markets and how we can make a quality product and, and have it be a marketable to your, your housewife or your family that has never been on a farm that live in inner Denver. Um, that's going to be where um, I really find that every day in my job is that I go out and help with these organic farms, um, even though there are challenges with the organic farms and some of them that I've seen, I probably would 
rather <laughs> uh, be conventional because of some of the issues. Okay, so let's go ahead and get right into your industry. So yeah, we've ca- we've talked enough about CALP. Let's talk about what you do because obviously you're you're part of this ag leadership program to help you as a as an in- as individuals as well as professionals be better at what you do. Agroplasma Inc. sells all organic nutrients, meaning the the macro and micro, micronutrients for soil health. So we're not talking about chemical fertilizer. Chemical fertilizer is a bad word in organic agriculture. So how do you get that done? When I think of organic fertilizer, I think of chicken litter. I think of cow manure. What are you, what are you doing beyond that? Yeah, so um, my basic programs, what we do is we look at a soil sample. We look in how to amend the soil sample first. And you're exactly right. We have chicken litter, compost, or dairy feedlot manure, whatever I can get a hold of, because in the organic industry, we cannot replace the carbon and organic matter that we're losing. Um, our nutrients are const- constricted to in or foliar applications. Does it have to be from an organic farm? In other words, if you say we're going to use uh, chicken litter and compile this thing to make it organic fertilizer, does it have to be from an organic chicken farm? No, it does not. Okay, because that's not a requirement. No, it's a natural process. Okay, and then uh, to be organic uh, and to, for you to make sure that for these operations, isn't it something like no chemical fertilizers, no no uh, banned herbicides or fungicides nor insecticides, two years, three years, four years? Three years. Three years. Yes, yep, three-year transition. And that's a USDA thing. Yes. Somebody comes out and inspects that, mm-hmm. allegedly. Yes. Okay. They test the levels of glyphosate and other other nutrients they're looking for in the soil. soil. Yes. Yeah. Well, and then maybe even in the wine, because I just talked about that today, you know, uh, <laughs> is glyphosate in the wine is glyphosate in the Cheerios. Oh my goodness. Roundups everywhere. Okay. So you're out here selling this stuff. You said you cover half a million acres, 500,000 acres. Uh, you've got a plant science degree. So are you out there humping it as a crop scout? Are you, what's your role? So I'm actually the rep for the company. So I have to go through a nutrient simplot, Helena, the the big branches, or someone we have a distributorship with through. However, I'm not a normal rep. I love to be hands-on. And so I do, uh, I could tell you every customer that I have. Yeah, so you you support the distribution and the retailers, so to speak. And Mm so you uh, are out there saying, hey, you're using our product and are these products sold through your to the same place where I get my shuttle of glyphosate? I can buy your stuff? <laughs> no, actually, we, ours are all manufactured in Spain, and they are shipped over here, and we hold them in Tempe, Arizona. And one of the... <laughs> what about from the retailer? So the place where I get my, my five gallons of uh, 2,4-D that I spray around my, my farm, can I buy your stuff at the same place, the co-op or the... CPS or whatever. Yep, we we hand we make sure that we can have a warehouse that that we would approve of. But yes, we we also direct ship to cut that gap of contamination. We like to be as clean as possible. Got it. Going back to traditional farm, uh, folks, and that's going to be Justin over here. You used a few words I want to make sure I understand. Um, you used wheat. You said sunflowers. You said the word something before the sunflowers and it reminded me of candy it was confection sunflowers now confection i thought was candy no in terms of sunflowers confection is the kind they eat in the bag there's oils and confections well then there's bird seed Uh, mostly bird seed is typically small oil seeds oh that were just they didn't make the they weren't big enough Uh, oil seeds are uh, probably about a third of the size or smaller of confection seeds okay and so then you said millet, and then you said Milo. Now a guy like me that uh, corn, soybeans, alfalfa, uh, millet, Milo. Okay, Milo is what you people call grain sorghum. Am I right? That is correct. Then what's millet? 
So millet, if you look at bird food, is the little tiny white seed that's in it. That's a pearl millet, so white proso, depending on where you're at growing. Okay, so you grow all that stuff, and then I thought I heard food grade. Food grade, Milo, you mean sorghum, grain sorghum Uh, that humans are going to eat? So it's... It's food grade millet. And when it leaves our farm, it's not food grade. And what's interesting about it is so it goes through the processor, so on and so forth. They clean it and they put it in bulk containers, shipping containers, and send it to Malaysia. When it gets to Malaysia, they didn't then determine that it's food grade. It's not food grade on our end, so we're not getting to pick up that premium from our end, but they get to determine it there. Otherwise, it goes for regular bird, bird well, food. Since most people, I, I brought up those because you said corn and, and you said wheat, and, and you know we've, we, we pretty much get that. Sunflowers is obviously especially, millets especially, milos especially. That's why I wanted to go down that road. Then you said sprayer, and I thought, wait a minute, are you guys going to get along? We got the organic man over here who's selling organic fertilizer sources, and then you're over here selling sprayers. Not to mention you already use all these evil chemicals on your farm. It's not about your sprayer business there at Luton Farms. Uh, so uh, it's uh, our cousin and I have, or not myself, but my father and his cousin have a sprayer dealership for the entire state of Colorado. Uh, we sell Miller Nitro sprayers, now owned by CNH uh, New Holland. Um, I have nothing against the organic side of things at all, actually. Wait, it's, you guys are getting along. I see it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I, I've got friends that are organics, and and the key to organics is doing things the right way and knowing what you can do with your ground. Now, the real issue is making money. And, uh, you know, I have pointed out that organic food marketers get a little uh, overboard on pushing that it's healthier or that it's better or this and that. And that can be a source of misinformation and clouds the whole consumer marketplace. But, I think whatever a, a person can do to make money in this business, whether it's at Joe's level as the district manager or area manager, whatever you might call himself, regional manager, VP of sales for this company, or the person that's growing stuff. So let's go ahead and kick the mic over to him. Are your, are your customers making money in organic? Yeah, um, working in the conventional side for Nutrient for a long time, uh, I was counting pennies to the acre, especially on the dry land wheat and uh, sorghum and millets. And, and um, you know, now going with this, they do have a little bit more money to play with as far as uh, returns um, on their premiums. Where does your, what kind of crops does your stuff mostly go to? Not, uh, not, not presumably into wheat or corn. Yeah, so my number one acre um, that I work on is hemp. Whoa, wait a minute. I told you we were going to get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, I told you we were going to get to hemp, and here's the deal. We're going to get to it. Justin is not growing it, but he's got an idea now as the young industrious type that he is. He might want to dabble in hemp. So tell me about hemp. You said about 30,000 of the half million acres that you uh, are responsible for are growing industrial hemp. Yes, sir. Yeah, they um, and it's kind of a mixture of everything. Some are growing for seed, um, getting the strains uh, corrected, so we we don't test hot with the THC levels. Uh, you have guys growing for grain, uh, for special niche markets like that, for feed, for human consumption. Wait, so uh, just in case, maybe we have some people listening that have never smoked pot. You said testing to make sure there's not high THC levels. Correct. Explain that to the listener. Um, So for a hemp crop to be harvested, it has to test below 0.3% THC. And THC is the chemical that makes you high if you were to smoke marijuana. Correct. So the hemp that we actually are talking about you growing would not get you high if you smoked it. 
It's just an industrial plant. You would have had a, a really bad day if you tried to smoke the hemp. You'd, you'd get through a lot of it. Yeah. It's just like those glyphosate-saturated uh, wines that the, uh, the, the Wacko group came out with yesterday. You'd have to drink three, 300 bottles a day uh, or something like that. Okay. For so, the Midwest folks, it'd be like taking a tassel from a corn plant trying to smoke it. Okay. <laughs> so your industrial, your industrial hemp is going for seed for CBD oil. Mm-hmm. And what was the other use? Uh, grain. Okay. And then growing just for strains. So you can feed hemp grain to livestock. No. What do we do with uh, hemp grain? Uh, so hemp grain actually goes for um, actually human consumption. Okay. So CBD oil, I'm actually considering it. A friend of mine uses it, and I've got some uh, some terrible pain, uh, you know, years of wear and tear. And they said start using CBD oil. Is that where it's gonna? Is that where it's gonna end up getting its biggest application? Yeah. What 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 made me start into the CBD market was um, I had a dear friend who devoted his life for teaching his whole life. He he retired and he came down with uh, cancer. And, um, what got me into it was the only thing helping him was a CBD and, um, it, it touched me cause I mean, he was a great, uh, peer of mine. So Justin, you are not on the organic side. You don't oppose organic. Do you ever see yourself dabbling in organic as a farm? And then also do you see yourself dabbling in hemp? Here you are in Colorado and it's federally legal now, which we're going to cover that in a second. Are you going to dabble in organic? You going to dabble in hemp uh, on the organic side? Um, Right now, I I don't really have a lot of interest due to our size and our big deal of how we handle things is efficiency. We put in 22,000 acres worth of crop last year with four people. So, I mean, we have to be massively efficient. And if we went to organics, um, for example, we'd have to be running between nine and 12 tractors to try and keep. You'd have a lot more cultivation yep. versus yep. use of appli- use of uh, chemical application. Exactly, and and the labor market just isn't there. And, and and on top of that, you've got you know if a, a used tractor is over a quarter million bucks. So I mean, you've got that equity tied up in that compared to two sprayers can knock out three thousand. Sure, a which day. does point out that there's still a smaller operator that tends to be the organic, but it's also a way where they can make a buck because they get more dollars per acre and they just don't cover as many acres and that works, but they are on those acres more. They cover more hours uh, in a tractor and more cultivation, et cetera, et cetera. But we're starting to see bigger, more mainstream. Mm-hmm. And we're right, Joe, we're seeing a little bit more. Are we going to see people his size? Uh, are we going to see 20,000, 30,000 acre farmers going organic? I don't think so for at least a while. Um, I know of a couple. <laughs> um, we, we, we do have some that are over 20,000. And that's all organic, or is it just one of the asked, one little um, portion of it? Some's in transition. Some uh-huh. is all organic, um, okay. and so it will be. Um, and I will agree exactly what he's saying. I mean, you have to the, – the most sustainable organic growers that I know are two or three pivots uh, or three, 400 acres. Wait a minute. Remember, I've got listeners that are not out here in the dry climates. Pivot? What are you talking about? Okay, dear listener, you're flying over the country. You probably already know this, but even if you don't, maybe you're, maybe you're just learning this. You look down, you see those circles – no, those were not made by zombies or outer space aliens. Those are made by crop irrigation. Tell them what a pivot is. Uh, pivot is a it's a is a machine that has links in almost like a chain, um, all connected, and it runs across the circle uh, at a pivot point and circles across and puts water on. And they tend to cover usually one sec one quarter section, which Correct. is 160 acres, but they. But they, but they, Justin, go ahead. Since uh, since a quarter section is 160 acres, but you're doing a circle and a quarter section is a square, you don't get the corners. So then you Correct. end up losing. You're typically about 126 to 132 acres on a pivot with about 40 acres in, in the corners that are still going to be dry land. Yes. 
And, and that's the stuff you try and enroll in CRP and then get paid to not farm it. And then you've got the good stuff that you're getting water on the stuff that you're not, right? Uh, well, I've never seen that on the corners. Uh, typically, it's just a different rotation, things along those lines. Um, and to put in perspective, so spending four years in Indiana, people don't quite understand the dry end of here. So there you're 40 inches of rainfall roughly. Here, we have 14 inches of annual precipitation. That's snowfall included. Yeah. Uh, by the way, while you still have the microphone, Justin, I asked you two questions and we took the mic away from you when I said you're not going to organic doesn't fit your program now. That's not to say five years from now, 10 years from now, that might because whatever changes. Hemp, is hemp going to be a part of your 22, 30,000 acre operation? Hemp is definitely on our radar uh, for several reasons. Uh, for one thing, this ag leadership program, uh, because of it being hemp and marijuana being such a big deal in Colorado, we spend a lot of time going through Department of Ag, meeting with growers, so on and so forth, just learning about it and learning about the issues. Um, from that, we had somebody approach us uh, last year. We have two semi-irrigated pivots that they wanted to rent for our for hemp production. What's a semi-irrigated pivot versus uh, an irrigated pivot? So the reason I call it that is because if- You take semis out and drive them around, <laughs> is that what we're doing? Close. No, it's just we don't have enough water. There's enough growth that we've drained the aquifers uh, okay. in, up above us. Okay, so you've got the you've got the infrastructure there, but the infrastructure is no water down where the, yep. where the wells pump do, so you can use a little bit of water, but you can't get much. Correct. And hemp uses about the third the water as a corn plant does. Big push, and this is uh, so. This is why you might consider it. How many years until you think you're going to pull a trigger and do an experiment? Uh, it depends on um, what we see. For, one of the biggest issues that we faced is if if we had to go through it and do it ourselves. Uh, before it was planting all sprigs. Now, if we can plant seed and take a crop off for uh, the seed or for um, fibers, that's a different story. At the time, it was for high CBD hemp. And that being all hand planted and everything like that, that I wanted to have rented out, especially with the way the farm program was at the time. Because if you if if you were growing it and it was enrolled in an entire farm, you would lose all farm program benefits for that entire farm. Joe, there's obviously now a change because we've got the legalization at a federal level. As Justin just pointed out, you're a big farmer or a small farmer. You're saying, hey, I can't experiment in hemp because I'm going to get kicked out of farm programs. I need that for my insurance. I need this for whatever. Now that that's changed, are you getting more, are you yourself getting more uh, involved or hearing more phone ring, phone calls because they say, hey, I'm looking at doing this, but I also want to know if I can do it organically? Yeah, uh, I get phone call. Um, okay, that's a lie. I get three or four phone calls a day, um, and it's all from the whole, every state in the United States. Uh, you know, recently South Carolina, um, Arkansas, Indiana, um, many states right now are going to be pulling the trigger, and they just want to know <laughs> should they and and what, um, what they can do to be uh, progressive and, and on top of the market. One of the benefits, as Justin pointed out, is, and I've already read, because I, when this whole thing happened at the federal level, meaning that now it was legal federally, that was the big mm -hmm. thing. And that just happened with the, re, the farm bill is yeah. what really did it. And that was what, in December? Yeah. Okay, in December. So we're talking only a couple months ago. Uh, then I read several articles thinking, okay, this is really going to open up some opportunities. Maybe, again, some niche play, maybe going to be some, some different kind of acres. It does not require as much precipitation. That one struck me that it's going to have a real application for some marginal acres or some marginal land. Is that where you're going to see it? Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be, um, it's going to come down to just like our food, uh, what we grow, the, the better quality 
of the oil, like you said, the high percentage CBD, the better quality we can grow, the better you're going to market it. And what I tell guys right now is that if you don't have the uh, contracts, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't put it in the ground. <laughs> okay, so you've got to have a contract, and that's for a processor. Because at one point, Justin uh, said when we were getting prepped and I was setting up my equipment that they are considering doing that as a play. Maybe you take those two dry, semi-dry uh, chunks and put hemp in them. Or maybe you rent them to somebody that is already growing hemp. Where does it go from there? Yep. So the people that we talked to, they provided all, pretty much all of the high CBD hemp uh, for a processor in Boulder. Um, what we have thought about and talked about is now that it's legalized nationally, that production will vastly outpace processing capability. And so it might be possible that the benefits may be more long-term on the processing side of you it. You said that again. So because now we've got a legal marketplace, the production is not going to be the issue. It's going to be, what do you do with it once you've got it produced? Correct. Okay, so this is the old thing of you've got to have the infrastructure. You exactly. Know, we can grow, we can grow, uh, say whatever sunflowers all day long in, you know, in, in Boone County, uh, Iowa. But if there's no, uh, if there's nowhere to take them, then what the heck did you grow a whole bunch of sunflowers for? Same thing with the hemp thing. Exactly, and that could be from processing plants all the way from the CBD oil all the way down to uh, handling creating fibers and ropes out of them so on. Yeah, so I think there's going to be a real opportunity there because I think environmentalism is going to push this. My two cents is we're all wearing clothing that has some degree of polyester, whether it's our socks or our shirts or whatever. Uh, and more and more, I'm seeing the environment, the same environmentalism I saw start getting going against meat three to four or five years ago is now recognizing that the fashion industry, remember every six months they tell you to throw out your clothes and buy this new crap. That's what fashion is. It's completely unnecessary. Your shirt's not worn out. It's just that it's outdated, right? Well, what are we doing to the oceans and the landfills of the world when we get rid of these polyester clothes? I believe that hemp has a real opportunity on the fiber and on the oil side. I don't know enough about the feed side to, to have an opinion. Joe does. So on the feed side, if you kind of want to nerd out about the plant a little bit, it does have 19 of the 20 essential amino acids produced um, in that plant. And so when you're looking at rotational-wise, it's great for the soil, great rotation on a corn, soybean. And you do it or, every year just like any mm -hmm. other crop. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, but as far as the feed goes, um, the protein in it is fantastic. And it will take a dairy or a feedlot to a next level if we can figure out the right rations and we can cut that. So you, you believe there's an opportunity. Now, these are going to be various. There are going to be variations on the plant because the same plant that we're growing for the oil may not be the same exact plant that we're doing for the fiber, the exact same plant for the seed. Probably there's a difference, right? Correct. Yes. From sweet corn to field corn to oleic soybeans, normal soy. I mean, is that what I'm looking at? Yes. I mean, it's just like uh, with our marijuana and our and our industrial hemp. Sure. It, it's just a small tweak. It's, uh, it's the ugly cousin. Okay. And you can do that with any of those. Do we genetically engineer that? Because that's going to have some of these uh, tree huggers really upset that, you know, they want to smoke pot, but it's genetically engineered. Is, is that happening? Uh, you know, it's, uh, I would call it genetically engineering because, uh, <laughs> but I guess that's uh, up for <laughs> determination. So the non-GMO project verification on a bag of weed, is that something we're going to see? All right. Closing thoughts. Cause I want to make sure we keep this fresh and fun. And, and also I know that you guys have given me a lot of your time, Joe, uh, closing thoughts since, since hemp is where we went on this. Hemp Agriculture Colorado. Give me your closing thought, last idea. Closing thought on hemp is um, really take your time and, and do your research on, on everything that you're doing in this hemp industry and uh, definitely willing to 
reach out to anybody who's wanting to learn. That's I just want to bridge the gap and make sure we are growing successfully and sustainably. So Joe Resnick, if they want to find you, it's Joe, R-A-S-N-I-C. They can find you on social media. They can find you if they go on Agroplasma Inc., right? Agroplasma Inc., yeah, agroplasmausa.com. Got it. Okay, Justin. 100 years now, 100 years now, Luton Farms have been going on, and you're, you're sitting here, you're a 25-year-old guy, and you're saying, okay, what's the future? What is the future? What's the future for you? What's the hemp? Tell me whatever else. Colorado, water, that was this brilliant, brilliant point. We're going to end up having water problems. I think you're going to probably start seeing some rationing is my prediction. Look at California. Yep, no doubt. I believe that there will be, if we continue on the current pace of, of growing population in Colorado, I believe there will be rationing. I believe there will be some major issues that way. Um, in terms of what our operation looks like in the future, it may involve us scaling down and going to more specialty crops. Uh, it may involve us moving to a different state, depending on what things look like. Um, if, if politics get in the way of what your operation can do, that's something that needs to be considered. Um, something else that we're trying. And, and there are folks that are not in states like Colorado that are saying, what are these folks talking about? The guy has been here for 100 years. There is a real almost on the verge of maybe we should we say hostile, hostile. Uh, it's it's not ag friendly right now in Cal- Colorado. It's reminding me a bit of California. Is that a good comparison? It's very much like California. We are our, our former governor recently tried to push a executive order through that literally took a California bill that had California in the writing 56 times and added an amendment addendum to it that said in place of California, read Colorado. And that was on the emission standards. So I can see us facing these same issues in five to six years. So in the future, you're going to see, you might be smaller, you might be different. You might move, uh, you might be growing hemp. You're going to just continue to wait and see. What what, what more immediately than that? Next one year, next two year, what's going to happen? Proactively right now, I'm going to try field peas this year. So we talk about, you know, using less than synthetics. Part of why I'm looking at on the field peas is like you guys use for soybeans, being able to produce some nitrogen, get different microbes in the soil, create a rotation that we can get rid of the fallow. You know, we're 32,000 acres, but typically a third of our acres every year are fallow, so we don't have a crop on them. And that's a huge strain on on your income and cash flows. So that's first thing that I'm going to try this year. Um, depending on if those people get back with me, we may try hemp again as well, or try it in the first place. Uh, Joe, I think you got a sales call to make, and it's to your man Justin. Go over there and get him some. Get him going on the organic program on those two dry fields he has to farm. All right, I'm Damian Mason. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. I know you did. Talked a little bit about Colorado Ag Leadership Program. If your state has an Ag Leadership Program, check it out. It's probably going to be something that will help you immensely. Networking, eye-opening, you know, education. And uh, these guys spoke both very highly of it before we even started recording. So look and see if your state has an Ag Leadership Program. If you're not into it yourself, maybe the young person that you know in agriculture could benefit from it talking to justin luton and joe rasnick pretty eye-opening pretty interesting stuff and this these guys are both the future of agriculture that's why i knew you would like it until next time it's the business of agriculture i'm your host damian mason